God's stimulus package. And I, uh, we did offering a little bit different on purpose because uh, I didn't figure you needed two offering messages, honestly. And um, we're going to talk about part three. We did three steps. And uh, we're going to talk about step three tonight, today. What, what, what time is it? Forgive me, I haven't had much sleep. Um, so I'm confused on what, 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 what the time of the day is. The necessity of sowing we're going to talk about today in God's stimulus package. Step one was this. And I realized we had like a blowout service, the first service last week. I did preach in the second service, so if you need to find out what step two was, a little more in-depth, you can go online, you can get a CD from the media, media resource back there and catch up. Um, it's there. Step one was realize you're a part of a kingdom that, listen, cannot be shaken. I realize everything about life right now is shaking. The reports aren't good. The government's out of whack. Uh, unemployment's up. All those sorts of things. Listen. You are a part of the kingdom cannot be shaken. Change your perspective from an earthly one to a heavenly one. I encourage you in week one to file a chapter six. File a chapter six. Jesus said, do not worry about tomorrow. He told us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else would be added unto us. And so his, his encouragement to you this morning is continue to do that. To not worry but to seek first the kingdom of God. Last week, I, w- I was going to talk to you guys, we didn't get a chance to, about realizing your role in this kingdom is the role of a faithful steward, that we're commanded by Scripture to walk in contentment and discipline. Okay, God's entrusted us with certain things. He's entrusted us with, with uh, his word, number one. He's entrusted us with with our families. He's entrusted us with finances. He's entrusted us with a job. He's entrusted us with certain things, and he expects us to make good on those things he's entrusted us with. And I said, and Paul wrote to Timothy in two different places. He says this. He says, now godliness with contentment is great, great gain. And he says, for it is certain we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can take nothing out. He said, so with food and clothing, listen to these words Paul, Paul writes, with, these, with, with food and clothing, with these we shall be content. This is an apostle speaking in authority as the, 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 the leader of the church. He says, with these we shall. He's not making a suggestion. That's what I'm trying to get across. He's not saying, well, you know, you can be content if you want to. Um, just, no, he's saying, as Christians, we shall be content. He's a, it's a commandment. Don't get at it with what you don't have. Concentrate on what you do have. Work with what God's already given you. And then he says, he tells, he tells Timothy in, in, in 2 Timothy, he says, um, no, I think it's 1 Timothy. I don't remember. All of a sudden, my mind is confused. 1 Timothy, he says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, which is really easy for all of us to worry right now, to be in fear. But God has given us a spirit of love and of power and of a sound mind. The, ne- the word sound mind there means a, a, a mind of discipline, a discipline, to be self-disciplined. And the reason some of us are in worry and in fear is because we have not been very disciplined, especially where finances are concerned. And so here's the thing that's about your economy. If you're content with what you have and you're not caught up with what the Joneses have, 
I told Todd the other day, Todd's a good brother. He's really working hard. He, he's, 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 he's offered himself as a servant to other Christians to help them work out their finances. Todd happens to be a CPA. He's, he's also helping. He's done some financial counseling. He's going to help us do a, a, a thing here, a, a, a curriculum in, in the fall called Financial Peace University uh, with Dave Ramsey, uh, and, and going to help facilitate that for us. And I said, it's all right to keep up with the Joneses as long as these are the Joneses you're trying to keep up with. Okay? Because Todd's trying to do things right, and he's trying to help other people do things right. But any other Jones you're trying to keep up with, you're, in, you're, you're chasing the wrong dream. You're going after the wrong thing. You hear me? And so when we're not disciplined, we're not content, we get ate up. And I, my encouragement was going to be last week was for you to file a chapter 12. Actually, Luke chapter 12 is a parallel passage of Scripture to Matthew chapter 6. Over again, he talks about not worrying. He talks about seeking the kingdom. And in this passage, he says this. He says, for it's God's pleasure, it brings your father great joy to give you the kingdom. Don't worry about food, what to eat and drink. Don't worry whether God will provide it for you. These things dominate the thoughts of most people, but your father already knows your needs. He will give you all you need. And I think there's missing, we're missing a, a piece of the puzzle there. He will give you all you need from day to day, Jesus writes. If you make the kingdom of God your primary concern. And he says, so don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives God, it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Is that exciting? It gives your father great happiness to entrust the things of the kingdom to you. He says, don't worry about food or clothing. Be content with what you have. Don't worry. Don't be in fear. Walk in contentment. Walk in discipline. Walk in, what, in, in the strength that he provides for those things. Don't let your, your thoughts be dominated by the things that dominate the thoughts of other people. And he says, make the kingdom of God your primary concern. So don't be afraid. Your father longs to give you the kingdom. Well, today, we're going to talk about step three. Did you notice in this stimulus stuff that's going on with the government? It started in when? Like September? They go and they vote. And then suddenly, lots of billions of dollars are gone. Then they come back a couple, a couple months later. We don't have quite enough. Step two, let's vote again. Let's give away some more. Oh, I just heard this morning. GM and Chrysler are going to need lots more than the 21.6 they've already gotten. It just keeps going, doesn't it? Well, God, he gives us, he gives us some, some keys to help us keep our economy going that are completely different than the keys that everybody else is trying to use to keep their economy going. And step three is this. Government's answer, oh, hang on, go back. The government's answer is spending. Have you heard that on the news? Go spend. Stimulate the economy. Go spend. Some of our natural inclination is it's something else. It's to hoard. Am I right? I remember helping my wife's grandparents move one time. From King, they, they lived in Kingston. We were helping them move. They, they grew up in the Great Depression, all right? So we're helping them move. 
And they ha- Rachel's grandma is still upset because she made her get rid of a, her, like, one of four sets of pots and pans that she had in the house. You made me get rid of that pot, that set of pots and pans. Well, you had four of them. You didn't need to take that one with you. I remember going through, we went to the garage, they said, here, go move this trash can. So I went and moved the trash can. I went to open up, open the trash can. There's a 55-gallon gallon size trash can full of nothing but toilet paper. I swear. And not only that, they had written dates on it when they bought it. Like it was going, you know. And I think, wow. And, and, and our natural inclination is just when we, we think things might get tough, get rough, is we go, oh, let me grab as much of this as I can, right? That's our natural inclination. Well, see, God, God's plan for that is neither. It's not to go spend crazy, and it's not to go suck up as much as you can. His is different. And so we're going to talk about his. God's, remember the average American already, already is spending $1.25 for every dollar that they earn. And the government says, go spend more. Where's it going to come from? And they've already given away, like, the next 50 years of taxes. Where's it going to come from? Who knows? God says sowing is part of his stimulus package. Sowing. We start out with realize you can't be shaken. We, start, we went next to stewardship, and now we're at sowing, okay? Sowing combines the character of, of a generous spirit with that of an obedient spirit. When you sow, you're being generous and you're being obedient. You need both to truly sow and sow the way God says. Now, Luke chapter 12, am I there yet? Luke chapter 12 is where we, we start off. We start off, we, we finish up there last, last time where I just read God is the, your, gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Well, if you go from verse 32 to verse 33, he gives us the next step. He says, listen to these words. Sell what you have. Ooh. And why does he say sell? Well, here's why he says sell. And give to those who are in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven, and the purses of heaven have no holes in them. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it. No moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart and thoughts will be also. Jesus doesn't say spend. He doesn't say hoard. He says invest, and he says invest in heaven. Am I telling you to go home right now, have the the greatest yard sale of the century? Am I saying that? I'm not saying that. Just to clear everybody up. Here's what I know. God has blessed us to be a blessing. And maybe if your stuff has got you, maybe you ought to sell it. It'd be a good idea probably. I mean, remember the, remember the rich young ruler? Jesus comes to the rich young, or the rich young ruler, comes to Jesus. He says, I've done all this. I've done all that. I've done, what must I do to enter the kingdom? And Jesus said, well, you've done it. He says, he says oh, I've done all those things, Jesus. Jesus gave him the list. And he went, he said, well, one thing you lack. And he said, well, what's that, Lord? He said, go sell what you have. I bet you could have heard him gulp. Um, the Bible says he went away sorrowful because he had much. I want to read something to you. I found some, I found, I'm, I'm a little bit ahead of where I wanted to be, but I want to read something to you in light of that. I found these statistics online. In the richest society in world history, okay, 
ours. 80 million U.S. families would say that they are in financial trouble after 50 years of almost unparalleled prosperity. American Christians give 2.6% of their income to the cause of Christ. Only slightly better than the total giving of those who deny him. Nor is the malaise in giving limited to the American church. God's people globally, God's people, listen to this, God's people, is a statistic here? Globally control majority of the world's wealth, but spend 98% of those resources on themselves. Now listen, religious people do give more. I'll give you, the, give you a, good, a good side. Religious observers, those who attend weekly services, give 3.4% give of income annually, while non-religious people give only 1.1% to 1.4%. That's Gallup, Gallup came up with that, with that poll. Now listen, you think, well, we're really, you know, we're really in difficult times. Listen to this. How many heard this is like the Great Depression? Anybody heard that? We're, we're facing times that are, nothing, are just like the Great Depression or as, as bad as the Great Depression. In 1933, the worst year of the Great Depression, per capita, income was at the lowest point it would reach between 1921 and 2000. 1933. Whether measured in current inflation, current or inflation, current dollars or inflation adjusted dollars. Yet per member, giving among the 11 primary Protestant denominations, in the United States and Canada, they give a percentage of 3.3% of their income. At the worst year, the worst year financially in the last century. The worst year financially in the last century, 1933. In all the, pro- in all the prosperity of the year 2000, per member giving was only at 26 to 1.5%. Does that even make sense? As a rule, listen to this. In 2001... Members of evangelical churches gave away, on average, 4.2% of their income, down from 474 in 1985 and 6.15% in 1968. The annual household income has been steadily rising since 1968. There was a statistic on there. I wish I would have printed that one out now. There was a statistic. People who make $20,000 or $20,000 on average give like 8% of their income or something like that. As you make more income... As statistics, in general, I'm talking about everybody, I'm not, you know, like, the more you went up, the more your income went up, the more your giving went down, percentage-wise. Does that even make sense? So I'm saying sell what you have. I'm not saying really to sell what you have. I'm saying to put your, put, get your mind in a right perspective. If your stuff is in your way, you probably do need to sell it. If your stuff is preventing you from walking with Jesus, is, is fettering you, is putting you down, it pro- you probably do need to. If, it, if it's hindering your walk with Christ, if it's hindering your ability to obey, you probably do need to. And I think Jesus was looking and saying, listen, anything that stands in the way of the kingdom, that's what he's talking about, walking in the kingdom, being in the kingdom, living in the kingdom, he's saying anything that gets in the way of you being everything God wants you to be, he says, get rid of it. That's what he says. In context, that's what he's saying. He said, don't be afraid. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, but things are in the way. Sell what you have. That's what he says. I didn't say it. He did. I'm trying, I'm trying to help you get where he wants you to go. So, I know this is in like a big amen message, but we'll get there in a second. I promise. The, necess- the necessity of sowing. Number one. According to this passage of Scripture, 
sowing, giving, it helps you maintain a heavenly perspective. The same passage of Scripture, Luke 12, 33-34, from the t- today's English version, reads this way. Sell all your belongings and give the money to the poor. Provide for yourself purses that don't wear out. Now listen to this. And save your riches in heaven where they will never decrease. How many of you guys have lost money lately? Anybody lost money? How many of you guys have 401ks and things like that? How many have retirement plans? They're like a year ago. We're doing really good. And then today, not so much. Anybody? There used to be a bumper sticker that used to say, God's retirement plan, it's out of this world. Okay? So let's put a little perspective on this. Our retirement plan as Christians is to get someplace. Where is that place? Anybody know? It's in heaven. According to this scripture in today's English version, he says, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where it does not decrease. You will not lose anything by investing in heaven. Is that cool? You cannot lose. It, de- it increases only. You're, I'm excited. I can't help it. And listen, I want to say something. I, what I'm preaching here, can I sit down and just be, be, be real with you for a second? What I'm saying here, this has nothing to do with the bottom line of what Church Triumphant has or will have. That means nothing to me. Why do you say that, Aaron? Listen, God took a guy named Elijah in a time of famine, and he fed him with ravens. He took that same Elijah in a time of famine and made sure the only water running was running right by where he was staying. The Bible says in Psalm 37 that those who follow after him, David said, I'm young and I'm old. I've never seen the righteous seed begging bread. So I'm not talking about, I'm not, what I'm talking about, I'm not, I haven't even talked to Jeanette and Sarah about what that looks like in Alaska. I don't even know most of the time what that stuff is. So when I'm preaching this right now, I, it means nothing to me about what, how much is in the bank account for church tea and all that. That means nothing. What I'm preaching to you is because it's good for you as a Christian to get on board with what God says do. Okay? You know what? I'm not, I, I don't make commission. If the offering's up one week, I don't make any more money, okay? I'm not doing this to, 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 to get anybody to do anything else. Are you hearing me? I, it has nothing to do, n- nothing to do with that. I'm trying to help you out. I just want to say that. I get that look sometimes like, okay, what's Aaron saying? The church is in trouble. The church is not in trouble. I, you know, I don't know how And you guys have done really well there. I pray with some pastors. I told you guys some of that, and I've talked with other pastors. There are some, pa- there are some ministries who have faced some really difficult times lately, very difficult times. We haven't, we, we've not had too much decline. Next to none, really. Last time I, I had any uh, awareness of it. This is not about helping us get back on track or anything as a, as, as a body as a whole. It's me helping you stay on track at an individual level. You get me? Number two, it keeps your heart and affections in check. If I read this same passage of Scripture from the message, listen to what it says. 
Be generous. Give to the poor. Get yourselves a bank that can't go bankrupt. A bank in heaven far from bank robbers, safe from embezzlers. A bank you can bank on. Isn't it? It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is is the place you will most want to be and end up being. I'm trying to help you keep your heart on the focus of the thing that's the most important. That's heaven. That's the most important thing is all of us getting to heaven. And sometimes we don't have an eternal perspective because we are so attached to stuff here. Aren't we? And the way Jesus says to keep from being attached to stuff here, just give it away. Just get, you know, I'm, and I'm working towards, I, I, I offered myself a challenge. I read a story. I, don't, I, I may have told you guys this a couple weeks ago, I don't remember. About, about Rick Warren. You guys know who Rick Warren is? Pastor, Saddleback Church, Purpose Driven Life, Purpose Driven Church, all that stuff. This dude, 25-something years ago, went to Southern California after he left Bible college or somewhere, wherever he was from Texas. He, he drove to, 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 to California, felt like God called him, didn't have a place to stay, didn't have anything, pulls into the town, goes into the, goes into the real estate office, looking for a place to live. They find a place to live. The real estate agent becomes the first member of his church. I think that's pretty cool. Today, 25 years later, he lives in the same home. He sold buku millions of books. He lives in the same home. He stopped taking a salary from his church. He works for free as a pastor. Knowing that he worked for free, he gave all the money they ever paid him in salary back to the church. And today, in this moment, he lives on 10% of what he makes and gives away 90%. That's a goal I'm striving for. I'm not kidding. I don't want to be rich, but I want to be able to let God provide for me to a degree that I can just, I can, none of it means anything. See, it doesn't mean anything. A guy who's got thousands of people coming to his church lives in the same house he couldn't hardly afford to move into back 25 years ago. You know what that means? He's not attached to stuff. That's where I want to be. He gave away, he gives away 90%. He paid the church back the sal- all the salary they ever gave him. Wouldn't you like to be able to do that? I would love to be able to do that. That's what I'm striving for. I'm just telling you personally. That's where I am. And that's why God would bless a man like him, because he can trust him. The first thing to sow in this scenario is that what we call the tithe. Okay? This is, this is the obedience part of it. All right? This is where obedience comes in. A tithe is one-tenth, okay? A tithe, which is one-tenth, is the first fruits, the Bible says, of all your produce, okay, or your income. Back in scriptural days, they were, agri- they were an agricultural society. They didn't exchange money and stuff necessarily. It was all about what they could raise, what they could live on, how they could do. And so he told them, he set this in order. And in Deuteronomy chapter 14, you'll find these words. You must set aside a tithe of your crops. Deuteronomy 14, 22. One-tenth of all the crops you harvest each year. Now I want to say something. Here's my belief. It's one-tenth of all the crops. Anybody listening? Before taxes, yes, sir. That's a gross income thing. All you bring in. Again, this is not for me. This is for you. I want to help you get a scriptural perspective of what God says about something, okay? One-tenth, okay? Deuteronomy 26, 
1 through 2. Why do we bring them up here to do them during the offering sometimes? Because of what Deuteronomy chapter 26 says. It, and it shall be when you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance and you possess it and dwell on it. How many of you guys have been blessed by the hand of God? How many of you guys have jobs, homes, things, stuff? The Bible says every good gift comes from him, right? Am I right? How many of you guys recognize that he gave you that stuff? So God says, well, it shall be when you come into the land which the Lord gave you and you possess it and you dwell in it that you shall take some of the first of all the produce, the first of what? All the produce of your ground, which you shall bring from your land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you'll put it in a basket to the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. Verse 10 says, and now behold, you are supposed to say these things. I have brought the first fruits of the land which you, O Lord, have given me. And again, God says, you shall set it before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. Now listen to this, so you shall rejoice in every good thing which the Lord your God has given you and to your house. Then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the holy tithe from my house. It's set apart already. You've told me right from the get-go, it's holy, it's set apart, it has its own purpose. I'm going to set it aside. I have done what you've asked me to do. Then you shall say before the Lord your God, oh, I did that twice. I, re- I copied and pasted that twice. I have removed the holy tithe from my house. Maybe God want me to get that across twice. I don't know. And if you want to check out something else, there's additional reading. You can see the scriptures there. Exodus 23, 19. Leviticus 23, 9 through 10. Numbers 18, 12 through 13. There's some other things there. I want to, I want to give you something to, 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 to think about. That's not too much to ask, is it? I don't think it's too much. He gives you 100% and says, I just, give me 10 back just to keep your heart in check. That's what he says. Give me 10 back just to keep everything on a heavenly perspective. That's what he says. Well, where does it go? The tithe is given to the storehouse where you worship and spiritually feed, and that results in blessing. Malachi 3, chapter, chapter 3, verse 10 through 12. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. There may be food in my house. Does that tell you where it's supposed to be? See, some people think, I mean, let me set something straight here. Here's what we believe about tithing at Church Triumphant, okay? Some people will walk up different times to myself or to Jeanette or to Sarah or other people and go, here's my tithe. I want it to go for. That's not what this says. God has already said, I have certain things set aside to tithe that's holy, if there's food in my house, the, 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 the ministry I put in place can do what it needs to do. Okay? That's the tithe. We're going to talk about offerings in a minute. The wrong idea, your tithe comes in here so that the leadership and the, the vision of the church can move forward. I want to say the, the leadership can determine how the vision moves forward. Does that make sense? Can you trust us? I hope so. We've been here for a while. I'm not going anyplace. And I don't, you know, my heart is just to see people come to know Christ. Unfortunately, the way we do certain things is it takes money to get certain things done. You You know what I love? I love the fact we get to help people. I love the fact that we get to send missionaries across the world. I love the fact that we get to help Bible college students and different things like that. But you know what? Unless 
there's something coming in. We can't do those things. You know, the Bible says that a servant's worthy of his hire. God wants us to be able to honor those who serve and give to those who serve. We do that by making sure there's food in his house. Listen, listen to the rest. There's blessing attached to this. Listen. And try me now in this. He says, give it a shot. Give it a shot, says the Lord of hosts. It will not, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out on you such blessing, there will not be room enough to receive it. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. I'm, you know what I did? Let's talk about a devourer for a second. Hey, Thomas, you have that video up there? Some of you may feel like this. You're trying to attain the big nut of, of life, and things just keep happening and keep you from it. Let's just, can we look at, do you have that ready? I'm doing it in a place I told you I wasn't going to do it, but let's do it anyway. Just, to, just, just, just I think some of you feel like this, financially speaking sometimes. You're trying to make, get that big, achieve that big goal. Climbing a ladder. The Bible says, and you're, a, and, you're a, and you're trying to get everything that you need and the desires of your heart. You keep his kingdom first. You give the tithe. He says, I will rebuke the devourer. Did you notice every time he thought he had that thing, something, whoop, whoop, whoop. And then, you know, his mouth fills up with stuff. And next thing you know, he's flying out, and then, boom, he bottoms out. Does he ever feel like that happens to you sometimes? In your economy, does it feel like you get it? I don't know. What step are you on, Todd? You don't know? If, if you listen to Dave Ramsey much, he's got like these baby step things. Step one, step two. You, you hear people who, who know what Dave Ramsey's talking about. Dude, I'm on baby step number three. You know? And sometimes it feels like you, you're, you're making those progress up those steps, and all of a sudden something happens. Doo! You know, there's a water leak you didn't know about. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden you get this water bill that's, yeah! You know? The Bible says if we take care of God's stuff, he will rebuke that sort of stuff that devours the stuff that eat, eats up our lives. You see that? I know that's kind of funny, but we find ourselves doing that. Listen, 
There's blessing waiting for us if we do things God's way. I rebuke the devourer for your sakes. He will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall your vine fail to bear fruit in the field, says the Lord. And all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be delightful land. Is that awesome? Man, he's, he says you've got to live like nobody else so you can live like nobody else. Think about this. Why would God ask that of us? He's not asking anything he hadn't already offered himself. Jesus is God's tithe. He took his first fruit, his only son. Now see, Jesus only asked you for 10%. Okay? I heard this at a funeral message the other week, and I thought it was awesome. God offers us a deal. John 3.16. You have me guys like deal or no deal? Anybody heard, seen that show? Deal or no deal, Right? God offers us a deal. His deal is this. I've offered my son. You must believe. God gave all. He asked us to believe. And once we believe, he says, you know what? I've given you everything richly to enjoy. Just give me 10%. God gave all. He just asked for 10 I don't think that's too much. 1 Corinthians 15 says this. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Each one in his own order. Christ the first fruits. He's, he's God's tithe. God sowed his son Jesus into the world. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reap a harvest. I'm going to do things. I'm going to even go beyond what I ask of them. I'm not going to give just a little bit. Just 10%. I'm going to give the whole thing, my whole self, my whole being to this. I'm going to make sure. That's not... And then he just goes, you know, hey, you as believers, just give me 10% of what I give you. I'm asking, if I'm, I gave you all, you give me 10%. Seems like a pretty good deal, doesn't it? Doesn't it? I'm just saying. Jesus, Jesus is God's tithe. He's the first fruit. Let's go on. The next thing to sow is an offering. Okay? The more you sow, the more you reap. You can stop at 10% if you want to. That's great. You'll be obedient. You'll have done what God asked you to do. You're in good shape. But the Bible asks us to not only just be obedient, he asks us to, to, to grow and nurture and have like Christ. My goal, I just told you, I would love to, to be like Rick Warren and live on 10% and give away 90. That would be awesome to me. I'm working towards that. I'm working like the Dickens to get out of debt and be done with all that so I can just give the way God says give, do what God says do. I'm just, that's that just me. But you know what the Bible says? As we sow, we reap. You want, you, want, you want more from the hands of God? Give more. Galatians 6, 7 through 10, he says, Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he shall also reap. If he sows to his flesh, he will of the flesh reap corruption. But if he sows to the Spirit, he will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. You put, you, you, you think about this. If, you, if your investment, your, let's call it this way, the government wants you to spend. If you spend money on kingdom activities, you're going to of the Spirit reap kingdom stuff. If you sow merely to your flesh, you're of your flesh going to reap corruption, which is going to get you distracted, get you off base, get you going in the wrong direction.
And let us not grow weary while doing good. Listen to this blessing. There's always blessing attached to God's asking for us to go a certain distance. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, he says, as we have opportunity, the apostle Paul writes, let us do good to all, but especially of those who are of the household of faith. I talked about... um, I mean, you guys are pretty amped about these government earmark stuff. How many, just be honest, come on, tell the truth. Government's trying to take stuff to simulate the economy and they're earmarking things. Supposed to be change and difference and different stuff like that, and they just keep doing the same stuff over and over again, don't they? Trying to dig a hole they can't dig out of. You know what? God allows us to, 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 I talked about, you know, you give your tithe to the storehouse, right? But you know what? You can earmark offerings. You can go and say, okay, got to give my tithe. Now where else can I give? Where, where else can I be a blessing? I've done what you've, I've done the bare minimum you've asked me to do, but I just don't want to go there, God. I want to go a little bit further. So what other ministries need my help? What other ministries can I be a part of? Whatever things are going on, what other people in my life have need? Where can I give an earmark to somebody for something good to have in their life? What can I do? Where can I be that person? Where can I be that blessing in the earth? Show me, Jesus. Show me. I want to be a part of that. You can do that. Luke chapter 6, verse 27 says this. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who spitefully use you, take him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also, and for him who takes your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either, give to everyone who asks of you, and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. Verse 38 says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So you can go just to the minimum or you can decide, you know what, I'm going all the way. You want, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to help you get your economy stimulated. Not just your financial situation. I'm talking about your spiritual economy too. Listen, it's not just about money. It's about life in general. It's about the kingdom in general. It's about your, per, your being in general. It's about everything. It covers the whole gamut. We just happened for the last three weeks to be talking about the economy because it's what's on everybody's mind. But it goes way beyond just sheer dollars and cents. Way beyond that. I'm kind of excitable. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. You know what's amazing? God gives his tithe, his son. And then the Bible says, Jesus told the Father, you gave some people to me. You know what he says? I'm going to take that. I'm going to sow them back into the earth, the ones you've given me. We are God's offering. Did you know that? You are God's offering to the earth. John 20, 21, Jesus said to them, Peace to you, as the Father sent me, so send I you. So you know what? God, if Jesus is the tithe, then all of you sitting in here are God's offering to the world. Jesus was the first fruit, and then God didn't stop there. He said, I'm going to keep sowing people back into the earth, back into the earth to bring blessing, to bring goodness, to show forth my faithfulness, to show forth my life, to show forth my light. He said that. You, look at your neighbor and tell them, you are an offering. Tell them that. You are a blessing. Tell them that. You are. You are God. 
So this is, well, again, what God asks us to do, he's already begun doing. He's not asking to do something he hasn't already done. You get that? Here's some other things you can think about. I'm not just talking about money here. I'm going to get that across. I'm just, some of us are bankrupt and we got lots of money in the bank. Some of us are messed up and we got everything paid for. Some of us have more bank accounts and we know what to do with and we're still impoverished. So I'm not just talking about that. Here's some other things you can think about sowing. How about compassion? You know, compassion motivated you everywhere he went. He looked, he saw people's situations, and the Bible says he had compassion on them, and he went and was motivated to meet a need for them. What about mercy? Some of us could do good to sow some mercy in the lives of other people. He just said, if you do what you do unto others, do to others what you want done unto you. What about grace? You know, there's between mercy and grace. You guys know the difference? Mercy. like, yeah, I know what it is. Mercy is not giving somebody something they deserve. Grace is giving somebody something they don't deserve. Two different things. The Bible says, I heard a song one time. I don't know, it's not the Bible. Mercy and grace he gave us at the cross. Mercy and grace. He averted the things we did deserve. He gave us things we didn't deserve. You get that? We can do the same thing. Forgiveness. Kindness. Think about your time. How do you spend your time? How do you spend your energy? What about your, what about, how, how, do you, how do you use yourself? What about prayer? What about witnessing? You can sow those things. You know that? You know What? There are people all over this building right now who've prayed and prayed and prayed for loved ones. Prayed and prayed and prayed for loved ones. If you would sow maybe a witnessing thing in the life of somebody else, you might be the answer to somebody else's prayer. And then in turn, somebody else will do the same thing for that loved one in your family. And then that part of your economy, your spiritual economy, will no longer be bankrupt. Would that be cool? I'm just trying to help you. You don't have to take my help if you don't want it, but that's just there. The last two weeks, I've encouraged you to file a chapter 6 and a chapter 12. This week, we're going to file a chapter 3. I don't know why they're, why they're all multiples of 3, but they are. Listen to Proverbs 3. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. You know what? I understand this doesn't make sense. I don't have much. You want me to get more? What are you saying? doesn't make sense to our, our carnal mind. In all your ways, everything you do, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Now listen to this next line. Fear the Lord, reverence him, and depart from evil. Now listen to these next lines. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Now listen to the next line. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So will your barns be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. What is he saying? Here's, 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 here's how you file a chapter 3. Number one, you trust in the Lord and not in your own wisdom or the wisdom of the world. The government says spend. You say, I'll make a heavenly investment. 
your carnal nature says hoard. You say, no, I'm like a heavenly investment. You do not on your understanding. Continue to grow in your relationship with him. That word acknowledge means to have close, personal, intimate relationship with Jesus in all of your ways, in all of your course of life. Everywhere that you are, you're seeking out a closer and closer and closer relationship with Jesus. You put everything else aside. You, you, you sell all that you have. What does that mean? That means you take the value off of it and you, you place the value in something else. We sell stuff to get stuff. Am I right? We sell something so we can have something. We, we, we usually sell one house to buy another house. We trade in one car to get another car. He says, sell all you have, put your affection someplace else. And in that, he wants you to grow in your relationship with him. Revere him above all else. See, these are his words, not mine. He says, fear the Lord and depart from evil. What he's saying is, listen to what my words say. Do it. Follow me. Revere, what I, revere who I am. Revere what I've said. Fear me and do, and fear, fear God and do and depart from evil. Quit using your stuff for yourself. Be a giver. Honor the Lord with your possessions. It's, it's, it's weird. He puts it right in there. He says, honor the Lord with your possessions. Other words, if you have something somebody else needs, give it to them. God gave it to you to be a blessing. You do that with your home. You know, some of you, some of you should probably just open your home up a time or two to people. That'd be all right. God's given it to you. I was reading the other day, the Bible says, when you throw a feast, oh, this is fried my circuits. When you throw a feast, don't invite the prominent people of society. I sat there and read that earlier this week, and I went, wow. Because you know what? That's the first people we want to invite to any big shindig that's going on. Government officials, business leaders, all those things. And he, Jesus says, don't do that. He said, invite the lame and the maimed. Invite the poor and the weak. When you have a feast, invite them. And that just so fries me, man. I, I've never done that that I can ever remember. I've never, I, I've never foregone gone the people who I think should be honored. I've always made sure they get an invitation. And the people who I would normally look over, I make sure they still get looked over. And I, that's me. But Jesus says to honor him with my possessions, my home, my dinner table, my food. I should be able to go, you know what? There's other people who need some of this stuff that he's given me. I'm just telling you where I am. Is that all right? The word convicts me too sometimes. Actually, it convicts me all the time. Be a giver. Honor him with your possessions. Be a tither, he says, and with the first fruits of all your increase. You know what? He says, expect a blessing. He said, expect physically your barns to be full. And he said, expect, listen to this, expect your vats to overflow with new wine. That's a reference to the work of the Holy Spirit. He said, so if you do all these things, not only are you going to be blessed physically, you're going to be blessed emotionally and spiritually. Every part of your life is going to take on a new facet. It's good for you to do that. I'm sorry, I'm excited. I'm trying to help you. I, re I knew when I got ready to preach this one, this was not going to be one of those stand-up, amen, listen to Aaron. I can't believe what he's saying. I knew it was going to be one of those. So as soon as I pulled out that scripture and said, sell all that you have, was where I was bouncing off of, I thought, oh, boy, this is going to be great. I'm just trying to help you. Stimulate your economy. File a chapter three today. Some of you... Listen, if you're a leader at Church Triumphant, this stuff should be a given. I shouldn't have to talk to you about that. 
In fact, if you're a leader and you're not doing this, I don't know how you became a leader in the first place. I don't know how that happened. I don't know. If you want to excel in the kingdom of God, any of the rest of you, start doing stuff like this. Investing in heaven with all of your being, with all of your finance, with all of your life. Invest in the kingdom of heaven. Trust in the Lord. Continue to grow your relationship with him. Revere him in all that you do. Be a giver. Be a tither. And expect God to bless you. You know what? This has not been one of those things. You know what you, know what you have to do? I can remember my, my, my best buddy from youth ministry, Mark Francis, being a youth pastor. Talked about being at this youth camp one year. They had this crazy, incredible week of youth camp. The last message, they, they talked about getting the kids to go out and just be what God called them to be. The guy walked up the very last, usually, usually the last night of camp is like this big blowout sort of a thing, you know, and you just have this big emotional tie sort of thing. The guy walked up, he said, I want to read you a passage of scripture. He goes like this. You see, mm-hmm. and he, everybody's like waiting, and he goes, let me see if I can find it here. And he turns and he finds Matthew 28, and he goes, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. No emotional response, no anything. You know I'm going to tell you today? You want, your, you want your economy to be stimulated financially, spiritually, emotionally, relationally? Take these three steps I've given you. Just go and do.